from FICPI. This is 30 Minutes of Marketing. We are your hosts. I'm Simba Dube. And I'm Mustafa Daoud. We are growth marketing buddies. Just like you, we hate fluff. We hate growth hacking. But we love sharing our marketing stories. The wins. The failures. And how we are planning to overcome them. We only talk about the stuff we've tried. Stuff that you can relate to. Because our marketers, most of us are just winging it. Yep, we are all building a plane while flying it. Hello, Simba. Hello, dude. How are you? I'm good. Hello, 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 Reza, our second special guest of the 30 Minutes of Marketing podcast. I'm excited to be here. Hi, guys. <laughs> oh, Hi. yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks why, why are you sounding so low? Like you were so vibed up when you were talking before the recording. <laughs> what changed? <laughs> why are you afraid? <laughs> Not afraid. <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, for, for, for the people who don't know, Reza, Reza is the product manager, customers, head of customer success at FigPi, and he's the person who is responsible of making customers happy um, in a SaaS product that's really, really important for the success of the startup. And we have him today to, you know, let us know what happens behind the closed curtains when it comes to customer success, when it comes to customer retention, when it comes to how do you handle customers and stuff like that. So maybe you can listen, uh, learn a listener or two, listen to some embarrassing stories and know how we operate behind the scenes. So uh, I'll let Simba ask the first question. I will save my question. Okay, yeah. Before we get started, like into getting into the deep stuff, who is Reza? What does it do? Can you tell us like about that? Who is Reza? Yeah. Uh, good question. So I started at FigPi around three, four years ago. I basically did everything at this company, starting from marketing to quality insurance, quality assurance to now product owner. I went up the ladder quite quickly. Uh, I'm about 21, 22 years old, and I'm the product owner of FigPi. I think that's quite unique by its own. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's Reza. They're probably like the the only 21, 22-year-old product owner. I don't know of any, like in a big company like FigPi. How did you do it? Not that big. (laughs) Yeah, we're not that big, but we are we are big. You know what I mean. <laughs> You're big. So how did you do it? Like getting from climbing. How did I? How did you get where you are today? Well, I've been at the company for a long time, and I started to know the product quite well. And uh, as I'm sure most people know. I don't want to offend anyone, but working with developers, managing them is can be kind of hard because they push back. They push back on what you want. And after, you know, gaining their trust, knowing the product so well, I think that was the best next step for me to be the product owner because basically it takes a lot of time and you, the developers of the team need to trust you to trust your decisions. A product owner decides what features need to be released, what to work on now. And Mm -hmm. there's always pushback, but if you have their trust, they will cooperate with you. 
uh, that's the job of the product owner. And I think that's why I fit well in the job because I know the guys quite well. Uh, I know the product very well. I have some uh, beginner level development knowledge. So overall, I know what's going on. I understand when they hit like a wall and they're trying to figure it out and it's taking time. I can have their back and try to explain why this specific future is taking so long to implement. Overall, the most important part of being the product owner is just having a good relationship with the developers. And that's that can be quite hard to, you know, develop that relationship with the guys. Uh, but after being at the company for so long and, you know, having my hands in the product, that was an important thing as well. We have a very complicated product. It has a lot of different nooks and crannies, and uh, I know most of them. So being the product owner really requires that as well. If you don't know the product well, then you can't think of a future to come up with those kind of things. Nice. So, so when you got like hired at FigPi, what was your role first? Did you start out as a product owner or? My first role was to serve tea to every person at the office, serve tea and coffee. That's how I started out. It mm. was... My first job after I moved here, uh, I think it's an inspiring story. I started out yeah. serving tea, then I... I can uh, say that you're, you're playing it down, but it's really like an inspiring story, inspirational yeah. story. So basically, after I moved here, it was the first job interview that I went to. I needed a job. Nice. I needed to pay my rent. I went there and... Uh, I got hired on the spot after they talked with me because finding someone who speaks good English is quite hard here. Uh, so after that, I was at that job doing that for about maybe a year or so, half a year to a year. And during that time, you know, serving tea doesn't take that much of your day. So what I was doing was just <laughs> looking at what everyone is doing, trying to familiarize myself with the product. And then after a while, I started to be involved in the quality assurance of the uh, client delivery team. So I was the guy who checked everything to make sure everything was fine. And I think, uh, and this was a, a part of the job that was uh, really hard, really tiring. And most people who tried to do it gave up after a while, but just I just stuck with it. I kept on going and then uh, after a while, I joined FigPi marketing team. Uh, nice. I was in the marketing team for about a year before uh, I was promoted to the product owner. Nice, nice. For those that you don't know um, what Reza is referring to when he says, like, when I came here, he's basically from Iran, right? And um, right now he's in, based in Istanbul. I find like this story is so interesting. Like, <laughs> you know, it could be a book title from the alleys of, of Tehran to a product manager. This is how I made it. <laughs> uh, it was the first job interview that I went to. And I basically started at FigPi when I was 18, 18 and a half. So I grew up at the company. And uh, I think that's why I'm the product owner at 21, you know. I was just around the product for so long and, you know, listening to everyone that uh, serving the tea 
you know, has like some kind of intimate aspect to it that you go around everyone. Yeah, you see what everyone is doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to call myself nosy, but I had my eyes on everyone's work. And after a while, I just understood what they're doing. Uh, I had a bit of development knowledge from before I joined. And I think that helped as well to gain the trust of the team. That's the very, that's the most important thing, in my opinion, of being the product owner. If they don't trust you, if they don't respect you, then you're not going to be conv- be able to convince them to do the work that you want from them. Uh, and it's sometimes really hard to gain the trust of developers because they have quite high... I hope they won't be listening to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they have quite high self-confidence, so gaining their trust and respect can be a very long process. It took me three years. I'm still impressed like by your story. Uh, Mustafa, at the age of 21, what were you doing? I know you're not a product owner, so what were you doing? <laughs> God. Isn't 20 like I was still in college? <laughs> yeah, I was still in college. I was I think I was worried about like uh, chasing movies and TV shows to watch. I wasn't I was definitely <laughs> Oh yeah, I was chasing my GBA trying not uh, to kill it, but uh, I managed to get to 99 out of four. Mm. Nice. I actually was destined to be a developer, but I chose marketing. Oh, so do you have like a, a background in developing? I don't know what you call it. Yeah, uh, yeah, my... I have. Yeah, wait, I thought we were asking. <laughs> so, uh, I, like, I want to ask, how do you, Let's cut to the chase. When it you when you talk about FigPy as a product that's complicated, how do you reduce the the friction between your users and the and the product itself? How do you you know like make people feel what you feel and know what you know and you know get the hang of FigPy so fast? Uh, it's not a fast process. It's a learning curve. Uh, but the thing is, at first glance, our product can be a bit, uh, you know, overwhelming. But the first step that we try to do is just schedule a call with them, try to talk with them, that human touch, just walking them around, showing them how I personally use the tool. That really helps. And uh, the thing about FigPy is at first, when you start, there are more simple options that you can choose. Uh, let's say you want to launch a heat map. Launching it for a sim- simple for a single page is not really that complicated. You just copy the URL, put it there, and that's done. Uh, that step is not hard for them to grasp. But then over time, you try to slowly push them uh, to more advanced options, like, I don't know, launching your heat map just for a specific campaign that you're running. Let's say you're running Google Ads. You can launch it for those. Or you want to launch a heat map for multiple pages. That's the most complicated part that... We are actually right now actively trying to simplify it. Uh, This has been so far the hardest thing for our users to grasp. Even some of our internal developers have a hard time grasping the idea. It's kind of like uh, logical statements of if this word exists in the URL of the page, record the heat map. And so far, the thing that has worked best is just to be on a call with the user, 
try to walk them through. And I think that's what we are most proud of is that we are not one of those companies uh, that you just sign up for their website and they forget about you, especially as soon as you subscribe, then that's it, you're on your own. We are not like that. We have uh, the chat option on the website, uh, which nowadays I see most platforms opt in for one of those annoying robots that just doesn't know how to answer your questions. Like we try to keep that human touch. That has been our solution so far. I always hear about, you know, it's not scalable. Like you, you need to do, you know, you need to like automate all of the stuff to grow. But when, when you see, when you see it, you, you grow by human touches and you go by giving the user the best experience that they can have and you know like engaging with their customers it you don't really uh scale with automation i mean you scale with automation but you don't start and grow without you know trying to be as connected as possible with your customers i feel like that's the main point about, yeah with automation and with you know trying to add tool tips and those kind of things you can grow but for a SaaS company, growing is not the only objective. You need to be able to keep those people who sign up. If yeah. they sign up and if they just get overwhelmed after a week or two and then unsubscribe, then what's the point of that growing? You're just getting new users, growing your database, paying more for that, and then they don't stay. Uh, and not having that human touch results in that not having low customer retention the example that comes to my mind is a, a few months ago we tried to uh, sign up for hotspot to use it for our marketing team and the experience was just absolutely horrendous they have no chat they have no representative for you they have they don't offer any demos unless you're on the enterprise plan just for really big companies. And what happened was after a week or two, we tried to figure it out ourselves, but you know, it wasn't worth the cost. It, it, it wasn't worth effort, you know? Why do I need to put that much effort when I'm gonna pay you monthly? I'm paying you money, you're supposed to be helping me out. So what we did was we canceled our subscription and just moved to a smaller platform that had that human touch that offered us a demo, that offered us chat when we run into a question that we had an actual email that we could email someone and ask our questions we had a representative that was something that hotspot didn't offer us at all the only thing they had was a sales team they couldn't answer any of our technical questions and actually the lady that was our representative uh, for the sales team was herself new to HubSpot. So that was just a very horrendous experience. I would ask something and she would just tell me, I don't know it either. And that's what happens when you don't have that human touch. Someone signs up, they struggle, and then they just give up because I don't owe you my life. I don't owe you my time. You're supposed to help me out. And that's what we've been trying to implement with FigPy trying to have that call with the person. And it's not just a demo call, you know, after, let's say after three, four months, uh, they played around with the heat map and session recording tool, which are like the more simpler tools. And now they want to move to A-B testing. A-B testing can be a really hard idea to grasp. So what we offer them is, okay, we can help you with your first test. Let's do it together. Let me walk you through all the options. Let me tell you how to 
do this. I can even help you come up with ideas. It's your first test. Maybe you never A-B tested before. So let us take a look at your website together. Let us come up with ideas for you. That's the difference between us and let's say another platform like Google Optimize that, oh God, I hope no one ever comes to the point that has to get help from Google. It's <laughs> just a horrendous experience. Yeah, it, it just takes like 20 minutes just to find like a help section on Google. Mm -hmm. uh, never mind just trying to get in touch with someone to ask a real question. I think that's what is the difference between us and our competitors and those other tools. And that's how we've been trying to succeed so far. There's something that I also want to ask you, like uh, you've been at the company for quite a long time, right? And uh, you know the ins and outs of FigPi. What do you say are the mistakes that you think you guys have done before at FigPi? I don't want to ask about success stories because I know you've got- Yeah, I understand. Okay, let me tell you a couple of, couple of our big mistakes. Mm -hmm. uh, some of our big mistakes were we come up with an idea. We think, okay, if we add this specific future to our tool, then it's going to be like useful for the users. We do that, we used to do that without even talking with someone, without talking with our actual users. We would mm. just internally come up with an idea that we thought would be good for them. And yeah. the thing is, we are not the users of FigPi, we are the maintainers of FigPi. So uh, we didn't have that user uh, experience of the tool. We would spend a lot of time implementing that future it would be a big future. We, let's say we would spend like a month or two, our entire development team working hard on implementing it. And then after we launch the future, we would monitor its usage and we would see there's just one person that's using a future that we spent two months, a lot of money on implementing. That has been like our biggest mistake so far, not asking users what they want and just trying to come up with ideas ourselves. But we turned, our, turned that around a couple of months ago. We started to talk more with our users, try to ask what they actually need, what would be useful for them, and try to implement those specific futures instead of just coming up with our ideas, our own ideas, and implementing them. Mm, nice, nice, nice. I think this one is an odd question to ask because uh... If you were not like talking to users and asking them what they want, how were you coming up with ideas? Were you uh, okay? To answer that, I need to give a backstory of FigPi and how it came to be. Mm -hmm. The backstory of FigPi is uh, we have a consultancy agency that offers conversion rate optimization to big websites, big e-commerce shops, big SaaS companies, and. Uh, when the company came to be around maybe 20, 25 years ago, there was no tool that did all the things that we want. There was no good A-B testing engine that was affordable. So there were engines, but uh, the monthly cost of acquiring one of them was, let's say, about $25,000 per month just to run A-B tests on the website. Yeah, it was that expensive. Yeah. Uh, so our solution was to just uh, make our own tool. It took a while. But for a long time, FigPi was our internal tool that the agency used, that our internal members used. And uh, 
the thing is we were trying to come up with ideas by just talking with our internal team and how they're using it but their use case was a lot different from use case of our real users so uh, our internal team works with really big companies companies with like let's say 500 million dollars in revenue every year over mm -hmm. 50 million and our users are users with about a million to five million, even small, smaller users. And their uses of FitPi were really different. And we were getting those future ideas from the big team, for which was useful for those really big companies, but not that useful for smaller companies. Uh, let me give an example. Something that the team tried to push really hard was uh multivariate testing which is a very hard idea to grasp and even uh, one of the requirements to run it is you need to have millions of visitors every month to be able to run multivariate testing it's a very hard thing to implement can you can uh, you explain to our listeners what exactly is that if you can uh yeah so let's say you have a test, normally an A-B test would have two, three, four variations and you just split your traffic between them equally or based on your specific needs. So let's say you send 25% of visitors to one variation, 25 to another one and so on. What multivariate testing would do is instead of implementing the entire idea in one variation, you would split different parts of the idea into different variations and then have 9, 10, 12 variations and then uh, just match users kind of like randomly with, okay, uh, let's say on a product page, our test is going to change the add to cart button and the headline. Instead of doing both of those things in one variation, you would have four different variations of that implementation. Some visitors would get variation one of the headline and then variation two of the CTA, the add to cart. And other ones would get variation two of the headline and two of CTA, basically increasing the number of your variations to a very high number. And that's not really useful for small websites. You know, if you have about 100 to 500 conversions per month, it really doesn't make sense to run multivariate testing. Mm -hmm. And that was what the team was pushing because that's what would be useful for them because they had a lot of visitors. But then after a while, we started to talk with our actual users and that's how we got the idea for our latest uh, future that we pushed uh, about a month, two months ago, which is called FigPy Recommendations. And what it does is, uh, let's say you're a small e-commerce website, you signed up for FigPy, you have your heat maps, you know where users are clicking, you have your session recordings, you ran a couple of polls, you asked what's missing from your website, but you don't have any conversion optimization background and you don't have any ideas. You don't know uh, what to A-B test. So what we were, uh, what we implemented is FigPy recommendations uses machine learning to analyze all those heat maps that you recorded, all those session recordings, and then it comes up with ideas for you. And ideas that uh, in previous years, based on our experience, have proven to be really effective. And uh, this is not just a predetermined list of ideas that you just get assigned randomly. We actually analyze your data and come up with an idea that 
will work for your own website. Now, if your website is a small website, you might just go ahead and implement that feature directly on your site. Let's say we tell you, okay, based on your heat maps and session recordings, it seems like there is copy missing from your product pages. Users are not getting enough information that they might want. And what our, our tool would do is it would tell you, okay, add some copy to your pages, explain your products better. You're not explaining them well enough. And that's why users are leaving and not buying your products. And if you're a small site, you might just go ahead and update your copy. If you're a bigger one, we have our A-B testing engine that you can just run different variations and test the idea and monitor what effect that has on your conversion rate. So yeah, uh, that was one of our mistakes. And after talking with real users, we found out, yeah, they want someone to give them the ideas. They don't want to figure it out themselves. And that's what we did. We are giving them the ideas and we are seeing the success from our users who are using the future. I love the idea of the feature that recommends like what to do and give you like insights because uh, most of the people, they don't have like conversion optimization experience. So I think that idea of having like a feature that recommends what to do for you based on your website's data, it's actually like- yeah, uh, uh, The bigger point of it is sometimes all the data that you have about your website can be kind of overwhelming. Uh, let's say you use FigPy and on the side you use Google Analytics. You literally have millions and millions of data points and, you know, it's really hard for someone to analyze all of those and understand what's wrong with their website and to come up with an idea. Uh, as an example, if you are using FigPy, you might already have recorded like 5,000, 6,000 session recordings from your website. Uh, no one has time to sit and watch 5,000 session recordings. So what we are doing for you is watching those. Our machine is watching those for you and detecting what's wrong with those pages that were recorded and giving you the ideas to fix them. And that was what we heard most from the users, just having too much data and not being able to analyze all of them. That's actually a brilliant idea. What do you think, Mustafa? Yeah, I mean, I have no experience in conversion rate optimization, but, you know, it's like having a cheat sheet that I can, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, I, I know you go to someone and say, yeah, I know conversion rate optimization, and you secretly use FitPy and say, yeah, yeah, we'll change this and this and this, and when the results come and conversion rate, you know, increases, you'll say, yeah, yeah, I told you, so I'm a conversion rate optimization guru, dude, so now pay me like $100,000 or something. <laughs> so that's that's pretty much it. Um, okay, so so... We've talked about, you know, FigPy, the recommendation and stuff like that. How would you describe the dynamics that the product man, like the, the dynamics that product manager have within the marketing and the development team? How do you achieve cohesion between all of these? Because you don't need your company to be siloed, especially that we are now working pre-COVID and in a remote way. Um, no one goes to offices now, so no more tea. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> how do you, how do you, uh, as a product manager, make sure that everyone is connected with everyone? So 
basically, I'm the contact person between the marketing team and the development team. I am involved in both of those teams. Uh, I listen to our marketing people. I listen to what they think will work. I investigate those. And then after I have a list of ideas, then I go and consult our uh, development team. I ask them, uh, in your opinion, which one of these do you think will be faster to implement? Because you know sometimes the marketing team might have a brilliant idea, but that idea might take us a year to implement. You know, some ideas are just too big to implement at once. So if it's a really good idea, then we try to break it down in like more doable chunks. So, okay, you want this FigPi recommendations to be implemented. You think it will do well. This is what you heard users say is what we need to do, what they need. Uh, okay, let's break, break it down. Let's at first just base it off heat maps. So that way we can help users to understand, okay, uh, users are not reading enough text on your website, so maybe it's too boring. And then after we see the success of that, after we monitor, okay, yeah, uh, we right now have a thousand users that are using this feature. We talk with them, they're happy. Okay, now we can move forward and you know expand this future. We can add new things to it. It's like a whole process and, Yet, uh, we are not working from the office anymore, but that doesn't mean we are not in touch. That doesn't mean we don't meet enough. Uh, we actually meet multiple times every day. Uh, we have even uh, once a week a meeting that we just talk about nothing, just to keep that connection, you know? How's life going? How are your pets doing? How's your cat? Uh, those are really important for the product owner to have that connection. And uh, we have an international team. We have an international team, but uh, I still meet with some of our developers every once in a while. We go out for coffee. You know, if you don't have that connection, if you don't have that uh, connection with your developers, with your marketing team, you're not going to be able to be a good product owner. And that's the important aspect of it. I hope I answered your question. So yeah, I need to have one hand in the marketing team and one hand in the development team and just be the middleman. And it's not just that, I also need to uh, have a good relation with the owner of the company because you know he has his own goals as well. He has ideas of his own as well. So I just need to manage all of those. And at the end of the day, uh, break down the ideas and just convince the development team to implement those. You know, you can't just tell the, tell the development team, do this, do that. They're human as well. It needs to make sense for them as well to give their energy to it, to, you know, do it willing. So that's the thing. That's why I'm here. Nice. So how do you explain to your family what you do? Oh, very good question. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, it took me a while to explain it to my father. At the end, I found like an article that was written, written in our language. So I sent him the link to that about conversion rate optimization. And after I sent it, funnily enough, I found out that it was a translation of an Invesp article on oh. what's conversion rate optimization. Yeah, and it was a really popular article. Then I started to search more and almost everything available in our uh, language was from Invesp. 
which nice. was kind of like yeah a nice thing to find out but yeah what i tell them is <laughs> yeah. uh we help websites sell more but we do this by helping them convert more of their existing visitors rather than getting them more visitors that's what i tell them yeah. so what we do is we just help them to uh, have better relationship with their existing visitor base Nice. Not just included. Yeah, you nice. you can have ten million visitors, but maybe just one person out of that ten million buys. Hmm. So or just converts. So that's what we do. We try to increase that percentage. That's interesting. I had to ask you that one. Uh, we have like less than a minute to go because I used to struggle with explaining to my family what I do. I remember. I remember I remember telling my dad that I work for a company that helps other people to make more money. And then he was like, why don't they help you to make more money? <laughs> why don't you make money yourself? Yeah. <laughs> why not make money? Use those strategies to make more money. Okay. So Reza, thank you so much for joining us in today's episode. It was like really interesting. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it a lot. Thank you yeah, for inviting same. me. We'll see you. Uh, so your Monday, yeah, we'll probably be happy. If you have a website, pick by a try. I promise you, you're gonna be happy at the end. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably okay. have you again. Maybe we'll invite you again. This was interesting. Okay. Thank you. Sure, sure. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to listen to our 30 minutes of marketing podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback or questions that you would like us to answer, please reach out to me or Simba on LinkedIn or Twitter and send us your question. Also, don't forget to give FigPy and InvestBee follow on LinkedIn and Twitter as we're going to be sharing some behind the scenes and building in public videos to share all of our stories, not just the marketing, all of the technical stories that will help you grow as we grow. 